When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name is David Reed, and with me, as always, is Mr. Marek Larwood. Hello, Marek. Hello, David. Sometimes, do you, when you say, uh, as always, yes. I imagine you're thinking, someone's like, uh, when will he go away? Um, yeah. In that particular one, it felt like, as always. Well, I don't think I said it like that at all. I think you might be projecting. Like I'm a Rothko painting and you've brought your own neuroses into that the room. Rothko, I don't know why people think it's so great. I had an argument with my girlfriend about Rothko paintings. It's just strips of... Colour. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Everyone brings their... It, it basically is just the closest to a blank canvas you can get for people to go, ah, it's about this. Although I tell you what, I did go to an exhibition of Rothko's later work where um, he was clinically depressed. And there's some very sad colours in there. It really brings not, you down. Uh, dark blue, stuff like that. Oh, they're d- I mean, they're all veering towards brown. Well, this is the perfect segue. We've done some good segues in recent weeks because I thought... Um, I, I was coming back from the Isle of Wight and I thought I'm going to watch something on the train because I didn't have a chance to go to cinema. I'm going to take a punt on a documentary. Yeah. So I went on iTunes, looked at the top documentaries. There's a lot of sports documentaries there. And I thought... Oh, here's one. Number six on the iTunes documentary chart. Must be good. Reviews. It was called Happy. Happy. Who's it's the it opposite. About? It is a documentary made by this bloke called Rocco Bellic, who's won awards in the past for, I don't know, whatever. It's a documentary on how, what makes people happy. Okay. So he's gone around the world and interviewed different people about happiness and... Uh, uh, it's just a collection of and psychologists because apparently uh, about 30 years ago the pursuit of happiness as a, a as a thing was sort of laughed about as not really a legitimate thing you know not really didn't have the substance of many of the other, when people were selling depression and other things like that yeah. people weren't interested in it it's become more interesting and he's sort of taken the standpoint that most people he stopped people in the streets so what they want to be and said they want to be happy so he's just gone on, gone around the world and met lots of people from different backgrounds and discovered that mainly that poor, some poor people, like a rickshaw puller in India, yeah. who lives in a, in a sort of shanty town where one side of his house is tarpaulin and the other side is open with his family. Yeah. He's, you wouldn't think it, he's happy. He's happy. 
So the answer is we should all be rickshaw drivers in India. Well, and then there's another woman who was uh, uh, in the sort of 70s and 80s. She was one of the, you know, they've got... Uh, so, I'm so tired I can barely talk <laughs> the most eligible but eligible people the newcomers in society okay and in America they have a book about the top 100 newcomers on the on the social scene you know they've you know and posh really, people really rich people when they have like they have in Tatler over here yeah right it's sort of like they're coming out sort the of party girls. yeah the, well, the, the, who are the new who are the young bachelors and who are the young the ladies? eligible dilettantes yes that are, are on the scene yeah she was one of those and then she was married, had kids, and then there was an accident with her. She hadn't got. Uh, she got a hand caught in her sister's car, and she went underneath the van and just crushed all her face and had her face rebuilt. Right, and was, uh, was just. And she's actually happier than she was before. Wow, because there's no expectation on her now. Yeah. Uh, so then, you're saying we should all be overhyped early on in our career and then crushed under the wheels of a vehicle to be happy? No, I, I, thought, w- I want you to tell me how to be happy. This is the, I talked about another documentary last week. And I, this is an, another documentary that was vaguely unsatisfying, and that made me makes me a bit unhappy. Right. There is something nice about watching people laugh. It's interesting watching people laugh and enjoy themselves. It does make you feel a bit happier. Yeah. Basically, it's, it's it's just a bit obvious. <laughs> what makes you happy? Lots of so lots a good friendship circle, people you you can rely on. Yeah. Doing things that are changing, uh, having new experiences. Um, and they talked about this sort of flow thing. So when you it's like when people play sports. Or when you're doing something like painting or playing the piano, you get so involved in that particular thing that you stop thinking about anything else. Yes. Like when I was addicted to fruit machines when I was 17 or 18. Were you really? Just doing the fruit machine. I think I was so bored that I would just go down with this um, other bloke who worked as a, at a kitchen porter at the hotel I worked at. Yeah. And, we, and he used to go on the fruit machines and I copied him. So and like the, the, the complicated uh, pub ones, not the one-armed bandit? Not the one-armed bandit. And it's just you and the fruit machine or you and the piano or you doing some gardening. Yeah. And, how, and they talked how meditation makes you uh, happier because it helps you release... Um, Dopamines, etc. Yeah, a lot of them die off so you get older. If you don't use your dopamines, dopamine. Yes, yeah, the same thing. Okay, right. dopamines they die off. They die off. Yeah, isn't it a chemical? No, it's an actual thing. It's almost in the diagram. <laughs> dopamines is a drug. Yeah, but you, the things that release dopamines oh, right, okay. in your brain, if you don't use them, they die off. I'm, my, and you're, and, you're testing my biology now. And they need to be or something like that. Probably. Yeah, something like that. And you need to do regular physical exercise. I mean, it's just pretty obvious documentary about being happy. It felt like a... But it sounds like what you're saying is in order to be happy, you need to um, trick your conscious brain into going away. It's... Does that mean stupider people are more likely to be happy? My problem, the biggest problem with this documentary is saying, oh, I feel happy. It's such a, a generalisation. There's so many different forms of happiness. Absolutely, yeah. That yeah. the whole point of a document to me didn't really address the fact that it's not just, oh, I'm happy now. Yeah, yeah. It's really similar to, and we talked about um, Adam Curtis, there's a documentary called Bitter Lake, which is on iPlayer, how uh, the Western powers oversimplified um, Afghanistan into good and evil. Yes. 
it's an oversimplification thing. I need to be happy. Well, like last week, I talked about going clear the documentary about Scientologists. Yes. And the, a lot of the people in that documentary, if you'd asked them, would have said they're ecstatically happy. They're, you know, joyfully happy. They're infinitely happy. And then two weeks later would have had a mental breakdown. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's not, it's not, you can be, you can be manic and think you're happy. It's a very complicated subject. I th- it's just, I think it's lots of different things here. It's, it's, I remember doing, I'm facing my English degree in critical theory and it's all about labelling what words mean and what labels mean mm. and I do think think that this documentary throw up these the oversimplification of human beings into these emotions or into these sort of archetypal roles uh, which d- don't necessarily explain the, the, the vast swathes of moods that mm. you have well, happiness well, is like you've this- got contentment you've got you know physical happiness you've got intellectual you know stimulation yeah. happiness it was just felt a whole a bit uh, sh- uh, like, it, it felt was, like it was asking the wrong question well it was half asking the question there was talking to some sort of psychologists about it but it felt I know I'm not in the best job of explaining this but it felt like it was aimed at someone who had a lobotomy who was t- trying to be happy a uh, 10 year old it wasn't satisfying yeah, yeah. looking to happiness and there's a couple of points where they said we're interesting about the sort of um, not like he, a bit like hedonism I can't remember the word of it where you get into cycles which is basic capitalism where you want something you get something you want something else you want something more you're never happy you're in a constant cycle of material goods and you're never you're malcontent yeah you? so all the people there who in the in the documentary who, were, who didn't rely on materialistic things were a lot happier it was pretty obvious if you sat down to it yeah I mean Buddhists for this for this very reason believe that happiness uh, comes from compassion and uh, giving to others by that that yeah so Dalai Lama one of the things as well is actually being altruistic and helping other people out yeah yeah but within this document he's a dude that guy Within the document, there's some fascinating. Sorry, China. There's some fascinating stories, like a, a man who, uh, who was a South African guy who was really well off, had loads of fashionable clothes, doing really well in his job. Then suddenly, he wasn't satisfied, and he, in the last 17 years, he's been working at this sort of like hospice type place for these. I don't know where. I think it's like, like a leper colony, but it wasn't right. like, just helping people out, and he's completely satisfied. So it's, really, it's nice seeing some uplifting stories of people who haven't necessarily gone through that path to happiness, which is associated with wealth and making money, yeah. and, and that the Western, you know, Western society taught us what gives us happiness isn't the way of finding happiness. But you can work out yourself. You could see it as a nice way of putting a, 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 lots of stories together in one documentary. Is all right, but the. The ultimate package isn't really telling you much. I don't feel like I learnt anything, but then again, there's something quite uplifting about watching people talk about how they're happy. So it sort of rubs off on you, right? And how it's a choice, and it is a choice, I suppose. To think I'm going to enjoy myself, live it. All those cliches, well, but, it's, it's, but it's also not that simple. Like if somebody who's miserable in a terrible situation just decides, no, I'm going to be happy then it's very easy to go down a path towards self-delusion and then mental ill health, isn't yeah. it? I mean, this, it's not that simple. You need other people in your life, I think, basically. Yeah, it? it's just the basic thing. You need good, you know, you need friends and family and all that shit. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't sound like you've... Is this a successful film, this? Is it? Is it done good work? You said it was 
you know, number six on the charts. It's not really. It's got a fairly good rating on IMDb. I sort of give something a punt. And, yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm not overly satisfied with it. All right. All right. Well, how many Marricks? Five or six. It's not made you very happy. Um, all right. Happy. Happy. It's made me a bit sad hearing about that. Happy. Written directed by Rocco Belic. Good name. Yeah. Watch it if you're feeling a bit down and you want to see people in worse situations than you really enjoying themselves. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We should read a letter out now. All right. What have we got? It's one from Jack Stewart. What's he want? Well, he says at the bottom, if you happen to read this out, he's from Corby in North Hants, a town famed for a large Scottish population. So my accent should be that of a Scot that has lived in Middle England for years. Good luck. Right, okay. Uh, and he's 27 and three quarters, so I should let a that... faded Scottish accent. A fi- it's just Scotland and then work back to... It's very soft Scots, basically. Yeah. Okay. Dear Buddy Marrick and David, I enjoyed your recent chat on documentaries. Given that I share a creepily similar taste to Marrick, I'd like to make a documentary recommendation one which has been compared to Anvil and Spinal Tap. The Punk Syndrome is about four mentally handicapped punk-rocking Finns. In 90 minutes of them touring their band, recording music and dealing with their disability, it's warm-natured, funny and genuine. It's also topical. Given the band, Perti Kuringen Nimipavat, don't know how to pronounce that, will be representing Finland at this year's Eurovision Song Contest. It's up there with The Imposter, Searching for Sugar Man, and The Art of Killing as my favourite doc of the past few years. Act of Killing? He's put art in here. Oh. But it is Act of Killing, is what he's thinking of. And it's a solid 8 on IMDb and a cool 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Would love to hear either of your thoughts on it. If you happen to read this out, I'm from blah 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 blah, we've done that already. Jack, aged 27 and 3 quarters, Corby. Oh, I'm going to be watching that soon, The Punk Syndrome. Yeah, it looks interesting. You can look at it. It's on Vimeo for £2 and one pence. I did not know you could pay for things on Vimeo. They started doing it on Vimeo, and I think they've started distributing it as well on Frequency, uh, which the money go. I think they're getting more money. That's, so if you want to give them £2.99, mm. they should get all of that, which is another, it's another platform for distributing stuff. They're the all coming saying, out, aren't they? Yeah, you can get your videos. You've got to get it out there these days. You've got to get it out there, David. Oh, no, I've got to, I've got to get it first. So we'll look at the punk syndrome. Um, Thank you for that. Here's another email. What's this? From Martin one? Appleyard. He it's Martin in. Appleyard. He's a regular as well. Hello, Martin. Can you do a not very good Rambo voice, please? You try that. What does Rambo do? It's like Sylvester Stallone. It's just Sylvester like Rocky, Stallone. isn't it? Yeah, it's Rocky can barely speak. <laughs> no, he, he's also he's also where's he from? Like he, he's from Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Hello, David and Merrick. Well, that would make me feel very cheap. I've been listening to another film podcast. Ooh. The one that's related to a magazine and comes after the words the British and the Roman. We all know what that is. On there, they were slating the film Crash. Not the Cronenberg second in Cars one, 
as one of the worst films ever to win an Oscar. I really, really like Crash. <laughs> and you've noticed that as time has passed, it has become a film that is criticised more than it is praised. Are there any films that you two really like? But Phil, you always have to defend because the popular opinion is that they are shit. Q David talking about Nicolas Cage. Thanks for making the podcast. Keep watching the films. Oh, wow. That's very good. I don't know if anyone understood a word of it. But basically saying that uh, the Empire podcast was slagging off Crash and uh, Steven Soderbergh's Crash, is that right? Films you really uh, like, no, maybe I'm but other people that. think are shit. Uh, yeah, um, and you find yourself having to defend them. Uh, I'm sure I like some crap. Um, sorry, I'm just looking up Crash to see who made it. It was Paul Haggis, famous Scientologist Paul Haggis from really? last week. Yes. Um, I was thinking of that drugs film, that uh, Traffic was the one I was thinking of, which is similar. It's sort of uh, nicotine-stained film short stories around one topic. But, um, yes, Crash, have you seen it? Yeah, ages ago. Yeah, Matt... What is it? Matt Dillon and Thandie Newton and... Oh, it's loads of people. Yeah, I I think I remember it's quite... Sandra Bullock's in it. I think a lot of films, once they... Films are a success, its its style gets copied you know mm. over and over again so when you watch watch the original you can't ever go appreciate it at that time um well it's short stories on the topic of racism isn't it is basically what it is and it's i think it's fine i saw it once and i thought you know it was an all right film i didn't see them there's no need to sort of slag it off but it's also not a classic i think but anyway films films that are in that bracket which ones get bullied a lot what's interesting is that my probably favourite film of all time yeah is the most obvious film choice The Shawshank Redemption it's a fantastic film if you say that to people yeah uh, and oh I you have, think the Shawshank backlash has begun do you is I don't think I've been, I've been with some sort of filming people and I said what's your favourite film I said well it is The Shawshank Redemption they look at me like I'm a knob mm. because it's not cool or they think oh that's what someone who doesn't know anything about films would say yeah yeah but I think it's brilliant. It's, it's a, a film about hope film. and it's just really... I know it's been copied since and led to Morgan Freeman doing 80 billion voiceovers. In that and, role. And Morgan Freeman impressionists doing yeah. it. So it feels... Hey, cool. it's lucrative work. I'm I'm really enjoying it. Uh, but I think... so. If you say that, you do, it's not a cool film to say that I no. I really like. But they, they are just the best films. Films like, you know, Jaws and Alien and all that stuff. There's a comedy I think is excellent and gets slagged off as being terrible, which is Basketball. Uh, oh, really? Trey Parker and Matt Stone comedy made by the Zucker brothers who did uh, Airplane and Naked Gun. And I just got a real soft spot for it. I think that's the thing with comedy, there's a lot more diversity of opinion. One of my favourite comedies, Kingpin. Yeah, really makes me laugh out yeah, loud. Yeah. But a lot of people you think... can see how it's a bit marmite there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, Tim and Eric, uh, billion dollar movie. I was one absolutely of those. loved it. Yeah, Loads yeah. of people. People actually wrote in. It makes them angry. That film. angry with me. Yeah. I laughed out loud all the way through. Yeah, it's maybe I was on drugs. Who knows? <laughs> maybe. It does bring us to another letter, which is quite 
similar. What is that? Well, why don't you read it out? Okay. It's from Gary Martindale. And I'm quite pleased with Gary Martindale because he bought a Volksball shirt, uh, T-shirt, which is the sport that I'm currently in, I'm invented, if you haven't heard about before. Tell, tell everyone about it. It's my new sport. Just go to Volksball.com and you can watch documentaries about me creating the first new sport of the 21st century. And I've been down to Isle of Wight, I've tried it again, and it works. And it's nearly ready. I'm really excited. And I won't have to do film podcasts, I won't have to do acting, I'll just play Volksball well, non-stop. Basketball is about Trey Parker and Matt Stone yeah. inventing a new sport look, and it going global. A lot of people say to me, have you seen Basketball, did you get this idea from Basketball? And I say no, because <laughs> that is a, doesn't that sport is not legitimate. My sport I tell is, you what though, the Zucker brothers did invent Basketball in their front yard when they were boys which is where they got the idea for the movie from so most, I think all kids have done that weird yeah, thing yeah, yeah. We, got, we haven't got the full court to play a game <laughs> so, so we're going to invent balloon stamp applehead <laughs> it's a good game you have to wear apple, an apple in your head you can only stamp on the balloons the apples you know you just do something like that yeah, don't you yeah. um, well this is from Gary Martindale and he says uh he currently lives in Milton Keynes. Unlucky. Uh, blah, blah, blah. He's lived all over the country, and as a result, his accents have amalgamated into a strange sound. And then, in a slightly cheeky way, he says it resembles um, the narrator of popular daytime BBC show The Sheriffs Are Coming. That's a dig at you, isn't it? Well, it, well, I don't know if it's a dig, but he just wants me to read it out in the voice I do for that programme. That's your normal voice, isn't it? No, it's not. They make me go full Top Gear for that show. You're joking. No, have you not watched it? Have no. you not watched every single episode? Uh-oh, just do the voice. Okay. I'm trying to remember now. Okay. <clears throat> Dear Marrick, David and Buddy, I am getting married in a matter of days, and we have made the decision to name the tables at our reception after hobbies or interests that are in... Uh, in pro... In, oh, it's a mistype that are important to use as a couple. Obviously, therefore, movies was the first category that we decided upon to make our own lives more difficult and to overcomplicate things unnecessarily. We also decided to allocate each guest at that table with an example of that hobby or interest. For example, on the comedy table, my uncle Ken gets the pleasure of Marrick's face on his place name, and my auntie Sylvia has the penny dreadful staring back at her. The problem arose, and the reason for this email, when we came to choose the individual films we wanted to include on the place names for the movie table. It seemed to make perfect sense to me that we just that we would just choose our favourite films and then mutually agreed on the top ten. However, my partner was horrified at this thought as she was concerned that people would not think we were cool enough. In her mind, every member of our wedding party would be judging us, our intellect and our complete lives based on the choices we made to represent our favourite films. My question to you is this. Have you ever altered your movie preferences during conversation in order to show or disguise something about your personality? And inversely, have you ever made judgments about people based on their own favourite film choices? Do you organise your DVDs on display, being mindful of what guests to your home will see? Would you choose to never again speak to someone that revealed their favourite film was welcome to the punch? Or would you suddenly give more credence to a person who mentioned their love for Cool Hand Luke? 
my personal favourite. Keep watching the films Gary Martindale, Sheriff of Milton Keynes. Uh, and captain of the as-yet-unnamed Milton Keynes Wolfsball team. Yeah. That's, see, it's a similar sort of question, isn't it, as the one before? Yeah, well, yeah. A very good question. And you're probably married by now, Gary. So, um, congratulations, congratulations. To, um, to you and Mrs. Martindale. I hope you picked some good films to represent you. Um, yeah, I mean, do, I mean, are are we uh, insecure, pretentious twats, is the question, well, basically. I haven't got... I don't have any DVDs anymore. Do you not? I just gave them all away and flogged them all. Well, I've still, I mean, moving. we've given away quite a lot of our DVDs at the uh, Film Fandango Live events. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've still got a shelf of DVDs next to you. I mean, what what do you think of um, my personality? Pretty just looking... Pre- yeah, quickly. Pretty gay, mate. Gay. Okay. Prick and gay. Okay. No, pretty gay. Pretty gay. Okay. Um, well, I, you know, I've not... They're just all random, really. So no to that bit of it. I, I mean, I don't know. In, insecurist moments might have, you know... Bigged up my my love for obscure art films and not talked about um, Beastmaster again, but probably not very often. I think in your top, I think in your top ten, you almost have to have a nod to a black and white oldie, so you look like somebody not somebody who's just watched films since yeah, the eighties, yeah, yeah. and uh, and a foreign film. So I actually like quite a lot of foreign names. You go films, so. Twilight, Twilight Full Moon, yeah. uh, Twilight Breaking Dawn Part One, Twilight Breaking Dawn Part Two, yeah. and Citizen Kane. Yeah, and then I'd look, I'd look pretty cool. You can't have Citizen Kane because it's such an obvious one. Okay, you need something a bit more obscure. I'd have Double Indemnity, which is it was a well-known one, but yeah, a bit yeah. cooler. Okay, yeah, that is a bit cool. Then you put something in and you say, "I really like City of God," that, but that's probably too well known. It's really bad, isn't it? Because you want something that people haven't seen before. What is the ultimate? To... What is the ultimate poser film that people need to have heard of so that it gets full poser value out I f- of it? One I film I recommend, uh, recommend a lot, and I get a lot of shit back for is when I say one of my favourite films, as you as regular listeners will probably know, is Blue is the Warmest Colour. Yes. And every single time you get, oh, it's a Lisbo film, yeah, oh, that yeah, sex yeah. scene. And I have to say, no, that's the worst thing in the film. They go, oh, come off it. You, you, you know, no, it's a really good love story. But you're, it's really you're hanging out thing. with tedious lads, aren't you? No, but everyone says it. Everyone goes, really? oh, I've heard that's. A, I've heard that's. A, you have to explain it. So you think I can't be asked? Yeah, yeah. To say blue is almost colour because everyone thinks, or people think. Yeah, I'm saying because when I say to people that my favourite film is Showgirls, they just go, "Oh, it's just a stripper film," and I go, "It's, it's more than that, you know. It's about it's a comedy. It's about a woman who's deeply mentally ill." Yeah. <laughs> um, so I wouldn't say, and I, I think when it comes to top ten, you have to have a you you feel you've got to show your the the wealth of all the films out there. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen the film Striptease? Now I've just brought this up. The Debbie Moore film. I think I'm mad. Not what you think it is. It's a sort of. Does she actually strip at all in it? Yeah, she does. But it's a warm-hearted sort of gentle comedy, like um, like a Goldie Horn film. Overboard. Um, like Overboard, I guess, but slightly less high. Overboard with more tits. Yeah, but but where she gets her tits out, it's a really odd mix. It's really strange. My my uncle once bought my granddad a couple of striptease on VHS. Really? Yeah. Wow. He's an odd guy. 
Um, was it? I imagine it had all. By the time it finished, it had all those weird things where people. Just no, my granddad didn't do that sort of thing. He just left it on the shelf. That was it. Never opened it. Poor granddad. Yeah, poor granddad. Um, uh, yeah, it was odd that. Yeah, no. I mean, what? No. Uh, to come back to this question, what do you think is the most pretentious film you could pick that people would go, "Oh no, yeah, no, it's brilliant." I hate when it? people say things like Battleship Potemkin or really old black and white films like that. Citizen Kane. I've never enjoyed watching it. I didn't really. The first, I've seen it once. I didn't really enjoy it. Third Man, I think, is excellent. Yeah, um, but they have, have dated Kane. Double Indemnity. I don't think that because that's so it's so reliant on the story. Yeah, it doesn't date as the stories are immortal. You've got a great story that not it's not tied to too many um, technological type of things. Yeah, because just being a pioneering film. Often you can then be outdone by people who take what you've you've done that's new and and sort of hone it and make it better. Yeah, you know, being pioneering doesn't necessarily make you the classic that people will remember. Um, I think we talked about it before films that suddenly become that have been around in the ether and long enough to be regarded as great films. So, like twenty years ago, you couldn't have said Back to the Future mm. is one that. Or maybe you could have, have done you it. Read, now. It's, have you now read? It's quite cool to like it. Yeah, it's true. It's because it was probably at the the height of sort of popularist stuff at the time. Yeah, it's, it's still you know faultless. Have you heard Back to the Fu- Back to the Future Part Four has been greenlit? No, leave it. Yep, they're coming back to it. I'm sorry, man. Um, they'll probably they'll probably branch it off into a Back to the Future universe so they can make more and more films. But... One one I watched over Easter, which was on TV. Uh, I'll talk about this now quickly. So my, my niece and nephew were around, and it just started, and I was trying to get them to shut up, was the uh, Iron Giant, the animation from yes. 1999. Incredible film. And I had to get had to go into another room, because I hadn't seen it for six or seven years, and I was saying to you earlier that when you haven't seen a film for a while, you must, the great thing about getting older is that you forget it, and you can enjoy it properly again. Yeah, yeah. I realised, oh, they're going to ruin it by talking to it, and I'm going to know what's happened, know what's happened, so I have to leave the room. And I bought that again. And maybe it's not a cool film to like, but I think that's a real hidden gem. Oh, it, it is. It's one of the best. A really tight uh, animation. The animation is beautiful. Uh, the story and script are absolutely wonderful. The voice acting superb. The, the, I mean, act- it's the best thing Jennifer Aniston's ever done. Yeah, it's set in Maine, so it's really great. And you feel yeah. it in the 1950s. Very autumnal, isn't it? It's... And, um, Vin Diesel as the voice of the Iron Giant as well before he's just doing what he does for Groot this is why he got the part of Groot in Guardians of the Galaxy because he's just doing his, his raspy noise yeah um, I love the Iron Giant I think it's I think fantastic beautifully made tightly scripted and it really gets the whole magic of being uh, of going on an adventure when you're a kid yeah, perfectly yeah. And his odd friend, the beatnik sort of hippie. Um, it's great, really, really beautiful film. So that's one I could, I would say I really loved. That maybe isn't cool, but I think hasn't. You know what? I think the Iron Giant will become cool. I think it is because it didn't do huge business at the time, and it's not one of those that people go, "Oh, Toy Story." You know, I can't understand why it hasn't got more plaudits. No, I don't know either. It's it is as a kid's animation. I think it's one of the best. Um, well, should we move on to what film you saw at the yes. same moment? Now, I saw a film that was nominated for Best Language Film in the Oscars last Foreign year. Foreign language. Foreign yeah. language, sorry. Uh, film last year, but has just come out in this country. It's called Wild Tales. And this is an Argentinian film. 
and it is six short stories about revenge. Oh crikey! Um, uh, is it the same person who's getting revenge? No, it's six six different. They're, they're they're not even interrelated. They are six short stories about revenge. Now, um, first things first. The sort of political hot potato on this is that. The cinemas had to place a warning in cinemas before people bought tickets to this because one of the stories has terrifying similarities to recent events. Uh, in fact, the opening short story. Well, top Gear. <laughs> yeah, in it. In it, the presenter of a car program gets fired and everyone's cross. Is it, it the story about the plane crash? Yes. Really? The opening three minutes are. Uh, I mean, it would be spoilers for me to tell you, but it is the opening pre-titled short story, basically. If I tell you this one in full, then you can watch the rest of the film without spoilers. How about that? Yeah. Um, so, basically, this is the reason. Well, obviously, if, if they if they go to cinema and they see that avatar, yeah, yeah, you're going to know, know what the plot is. For well, basically, uh, on a plane, a woman gets on and uh, the guy across the aisle from her starts flirting with her. And then they discover that, actually, they... Uh, he's a music critic and she's um, a model and she used to date a man that he once uh, wrote a piece on and criticised. She's since broken up with this guy slightly badly and he still remembers him as one of the worst composers he's ever seen. And then the woman behind them uh, chimes in and says, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to you know, eavesdrop, but I know that guy too. Anyway, this then escalates until it turns out Every single person on the plane knows this guy and slighted him in some way. Wow. And in the background, you've not really noticed, but one of the stewardesses has been trying to get into the cockpit and can't. And then she reveals that that guy, who they're all talking about, is the head steward on this flight. And none of them bought their tickets. They all had them bought by work or won competitions or whatever. So they've all been coerced onto this flight. And he's just gone into the cockpit and they now can't get in. And as the plane starts to descend, um, the the guy's psychologist is banging on the door going, um, you know, this isn't your fault, and it's not our fault either. All of this is because of how your parents treated you. You know, you don't need to punish these people. And the final shot before the titles is the plane uh, is... Uh, a middle-aged couple sitting in their garden, clearly his parents, as the plane approaches them from behind. And it just cuts before the hit. But you can see how people would go, that's funny, but for for people, you know, maybe people who knew people on that flight going to the cinema, you've got a responsibility. I think that's such a huge, shocking story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And that's that's really... Bring up another question, how current events can completely kill movies let's be cops did you see let's be cops no it was uh two of the guys from uh new girl um who uh were in this comedy called let's be cops where they uh went to a costume party in police uniforms and people and uh coming home again people thought they were cops and they managed to get away with stuff that normally they wouldn't and so they see how far they can take this and that's the whole premise of the comedy but in the wake of all of the Ferguson stuff you know they do sort of comedy brutality on people and it, and they and them abusing the fact that people will do what they say becomes a huge part of why it's supposedly funny and in the wake of it's such a political hot potato in America of police abuse of power this 
harmless comedy takes on such a different yeah. tone to it and it becomes uncomfortable and, and they buried it the the studio buried it it's it's actually very good in another time you know it would it would be work but they just at the wrong they didn't hit that zeitgeist at all mm. you know it, it didn't it's it's very odd but anyway back to wild tales it's not all about that but that was a sort of interesting are they point. all good all the six short films yes yes they are they're all excellent they're all in spanish um with subtitles um uh and there there's some some are uh, it's not hit and miss it's hit and hit and hit I think they're all beautifully shot beautifully told really well written some of them are slightly they're a bit slighter than the others you know you will have your favourites there's a particularly fantastic one with very little dialogue in it about um, uh, a guy driving uh, through the desert and another driver sort of won't let him pass and then he uh, he manages to go past him and he calls him an asshole or whatever through the window. And then he gets a punctured tyre and the guy then catches up with him. <laughs> and it's just the escalation of their sort of machismo. Yeah, fight. yeah. And it's wonderful. It just keeps going and going and going. Great. I mean, is this a new format for short films then? Well, did it win the best short film thing? Or did it no, no, it's film? a feature. It's a feature length thing, but then they're not related other than they're all about revenge. That's a great way of packaging loads of really good short films. Yeah, yeah. And was it the same director for all of them? Well, I will have to look that up because I believe so. But you're right, it would make sense to sort of give six directors their chance and bring it all together. Um, But um, I'm looking it up now. Um, Wild Tales. No, they're all the same director. Damien Suzifron, um, who wrote it as well. It's written and directed by him. But he has done uh, Span- yeah, Spanish language films, so we won't have heard of him probably. I'm very much looking forward to watching this. It sounds very good. How many Davies do you give it? You know what? I'd probably give it eight. I think it's very, very fun. That is um, a lot of Davies. Yeah, there's good- and there's a p- one particularly I thought you would appreciate because there's a story about a good, uh, decent, hard-working man who uh, the bureaucracy in the city and the fact people hide behind their jobs and aren't polite and kind and compassionate to one another and he just reaches the end of his tether. It's like almost like a modern version of falling down yeah. or something where he's just like, he just has enough and uh, it's great. These are quite nice parallels. We talked about happiness in one yep. a documentary about happiness which is ultimately unsatisfying to watch. Yeah. A documentary about revenge. <laughs> yeah, a fictional thing about revenge, about people becoming happy through through uh, violence and uh, and uh, cruelty. And what better way to spend your life? Yeah, they're very well written. They're very well directed. The only the only downside, if it needs one, and I don't think it really does, is that watching six shorts you don't get that sort of great cathartic release that the hour and a half you've been watching this has led to something it's just ended with the final one and the final one feels sort of final in a way but there's no no crossover at all any linking yeah nothing nothing Um, so you know you like like you know, Sin City, I suppose, is just off the top of my head an example of that did this with short stories, and they at least had crossovers to make you feel like they're inhabiting the yeah. same world, and then had bookends. So the one that you started with, you get to see the payoff. Well, of Pulp Fiction's a bit like that, in exactly. Yeah. But and they jump around through time as yeah. well, which is interesting. This does none of that. They're all self-contained, but it, it's it's well worth watching. Um, I I check it out. Great. Well, that's it, isn't it? That's it. Well, that's all for this week. Um, have we done all of the stuff? 
They'll probably remember anyway. They'll we'll probably remember. If you don't, if you'd like to email us, I'll say it again, then uh, please do so. Dearfilmfandango at gmail.com. Um, and also, we do all of this for free. So if you'd like to donate towards our running costs, go to filmfandango.co.uk and follow the link from there. And thank you, everyone who has. We will be back next week. Keep, Keep watching, watching the, the films. films. Goodbye. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.